Well, hello, world, and welcome to another edition of Something to Talk About. Uh, for those that tuned in right around 11 o'clock, we had a little bit of technical difficulty, but hey, here we are. And uh, Vaughn is away this week, and also I've reached out to a dear old friend, Siri Siegel, and Siri is joining us today as my co-host on Something to Talk About. Hello, Siri. Hello there. I got to tell you something. For people who may not be watching the video portion of this on the internet, Stuart is very clever. He has more than one pair of glasses. Right now, he's wearing his red glasses. They look terrific. He looks so modern. And before, he was wearing his clear frame glasses, where he also looked terrific. So for those of you who are picturing in your mind, Stuart, Put him with his red glasses because they look terrific. <laughs> That's the way I can separate one show from another <laughs> show, too. And also, yes, the clear glasses are because the last show that I did was a serious show. And yes. so I put on the clear glasses. But now I'm with the red hot Siri Siegel. And so yes. I put on the red glasses in order to, to be in the mood. <laughs> and I'm loving every minute of it. <laughs> How are you, my friend? I'm fine. How are you? We, we connect on a regular basis via emails, uh, and Siri is an absolute champion at sending out some of the most incredible jokes and, and, and photos uh, of, of oddities and things all over the world. Uh, and I look forward to uh, almost every other day, at least, I get something from you, and I, I save some of them. Some of them are cute little quips and, uh, uh, and sayings. And uh, you, you just must have a, a lot of fun seeking out all of that stuff to share. Well, actually, what I have is incredible friends who send them to me. <laughs> and then you forward them. them on. Yes. So I'm not that clever. I mean, yeah, when, you know, I'm when not as smart as I look. Okay, yeah. let's just put it that way. When did plagiarism become so acceptable? Huh? <laughs> I don't know. Alternate truth. Isn't that what they call it now? Yeah, you know, and it all started. Remember, it all started with Milton Berle. And Milton Berle, what did he, what did he say? Because Milton Berle used to say that 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 flattery was stealing somebody else's jokes, and so he used to to steal a lot of jokes from Henny Youngman and uh, and from some of the old uh, uh, comedians. Yeah, 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 and so Milton Berle started with this, you know, borrowing jokes yeah. from other people, and all, and now here we are, a century later. And we're all still borrowing and forwarding. and, and <laughs> Well, you know, really, if you stop and think about it, if you buy a magazine or a book, you're reading something that somebody else wrote. And if you happen to use that information, we're all used to that kind of thing. So why not? This is just the high-tech digital age version. You know, and from day to day, I mean, we all read something or see something on 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 the computer or on television, and then we turn around and we discuss it with somebody else and and use those factoids that we've we've found. So basically, all we're doing is paying it forward. Yeah, exactly. We're just sharing the knowledge. Yeah, and but, share the fun. I mean, what I send you for the most part is pretty fun. I think. It, it is. It is. It's 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 visual jokes as well as some are are just just jokes. And and uh, because we are seniors, uh, or at least I am, uh, 
It's that, something I aspire to be far, yes. far in the future. <laughs> and a lot of them are those the, are those stories for those that are over fifty. I should say. Yes, yes, yes. And 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 very human. So, what have you been up to? Siri and I know each other of actually through Colin College. Uh, we've taken classes together at Colin College, and uh, uh, and unfortunately, ever since the springtime with COVID hitting us, uh, we we did go through a a season of of video uh, uh, classes. Uh, did a couple in the summertime, but now we're kind of on hiatus this fall uh, from from even doing some video classes and all, and it's be. It's, you know, we, we, I miss it. I miss it a lot. I miss teaching as well as, you know, being uh, in the classroom. Yeah, I do too. I do too. And as far as what I've been up to, you know, basically the same as everybody, not a whole lot. Um, I do go out to restaurants once in a while and I do my own grocery shopping and Walmart and Costco runs and stuff like that. But I do have very exciting news in the sense that I have two new additions to the family. Um, Wonderful. Yeah, the first one came about six months ago when I got a great grandson, <laughs> not a grandson, my grandson is great, but he had a son. And so now I have a great grandson. His name is Jamie and he's six months old and he's absolutely adorable now i know some of your listeners have really cute kids you know and really cute grandkids and maybe even really cute great grandkids but i'm sorry uh mine has captured my heart and was without a doubt the best in the world so i'm just telling you okay <laughs> Pro that probably, was... <laughs> probably gets his good looks from his great grandma yeah, that's what it is. And then the other uh, addition that added to the family is I got Benny. Benny is a smart car. It's a silver and black smart car. And I put a little turnkey on the top. It's a bright red turnkey. up? So it looks like it's a wind-up toy. And I get so many wonderful comments and looks at it. Every time I pull into a gas station, because it's not electric, uh, somebody invariably comes over and says, well, how many miles do you get to a turn? And we go <laughs> off for hours. <laughs> that is so you, Siri. Yeah, yeah. Just, so much like you. And 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 for a smart car, for those that know the smart car, a little two-passenger, really a tiny, I mean, you could park it sideways in a parking place. Uh, and But you are, how tall are you? I'm 5'8". Yes. And believe it or not, it's very roomy inside. And it actually sits up high enough where you get a great view uh, out the windshield. And speaking of that, you know, I was thinking for the dashboard, I really should go out there and get myself one of those bobblehead uh, hula dancers, you know, because I don't know, because that's what you should do. <laughs> but in fact, I thought it over and I decided, no, the perfect bobblehead for my smart car is Albert Einstein. So the smartest man in the world is sitting on the dashboard of my smart car. So you you have you have Albert Einstein sitting on the front of your car, and yes, and, and just yes, and he's bobbling and agreeing with whatever I say. <laughs> and the key, you got to take a picture of that and send it to me. 
I will. I will. Have a, and you call you call the car Benny? Benny, yeah. Benny. <laughs> yeah. I probably should just call him Ben because that's a shorter name and he's a short car. But I like the name Benny, so I'm yeah. sticking with it. Well, but Benny is short for Benjamin. Yes, yeah. that's true. That's so you, you're, you qualify. <laughs> but, you know, I, I I mean, that that I can picture this. And and that and a, a, a smart car is so you. Well, I'll I'll drive by at some point and pick you up, and we'll go for a spin around the parking lot. How would that be? Well, and I kind of did something similar because I've been driving an SUV for a number of years, and I have always been a fan of the VW Beetle. So oh. I bought myself a Beetle, and uh, I had I had one fifty years ago. And uh, I said, someday I'd like to have another one. And that, you know, they've stopped making them now. So I got myself a Beetle with an enhanced stereo system in it. So, you know, this little car has got this concert hall stereo. <laughs> it's got 11 speakers in it. You know? oh so I'm kind of on the same wave, wavelength as you. <laughs> well, what color is it? It's black. It's, oh. a, it's a special edition called the Dune. Oh my goodness! That's what does it have? One of those little flower holders? No, mine couch? doesn't have a flower holder. Okay. Yeah, okay. That, that's more the female edition. Oh, I see. All right. Now mine's got the racing stripes down the side, and it's got the the fancy seats with the with the the fancy stitching in it and all. And I just I just love it. But boy, I get in there and 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 I crank up the the stereo. And it it sounds I can I can pull up at a stoplight next to somebody that's got a great big SUV with the boom box in the back and everything, and I can I can match him I can match him beat for beat. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. See, the older we get, the younger we get. It's so true. And you know, we I don't care what anybody thinks anymore. That, that's right. I think the fun of it is when when you pull up in your little smart cars, somebody's looking at the car because it's a very unique vehicle, and all. And then the door opens and you get out, and and it's that association. Oh, I never would have thought somebody five foot eight would get into a car that that small. Well, that, that's just it. But that's the crazy thing about my cockpit area is probably bigger than yours, yeah. than your, your bug. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, and I, I, I sent it one once. Yeah, yeah, I have good storage. I have a cargo bay and I can, uh, I can put my groceries in it or the things that I need to transport. So, um, and then I also have Princess, a Prius uh, for real driving. You know, if I do anything above 35 miles an hour, I. Or if you have to pick up two people. Yeah, exactly. Or three bags of groceries. Right, right. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Uh, that's fun. But I, I, I think that the the idea with the key, the key turn on the on the top of the car. Yeah. Well, you know, several times I'll park the car and be in a, a public parking lot at a supermarket or a post office or something. And I'll come back and there are people there taking pictures of Benny. So what I do now is I'll say, well, let me show you the inside too. And, and, you know, open the doors and let them um, enjoy. And then when it's a bright sunny day and I've parked the car, I have a 
windshield screen that looks like one of the cars from the Cars movie. So it's got these big blue eyes <laughs> and eyebrows and everything. So when Benny gets all dressed up, he's just to die for. Well, I would imagine with the, with the key on the top, too, yeah. it makes it a lot easier to find in a big parking lot. You know, it actually is because the key, the red key actually does stick up above the other cars. And so I can find them without any trouble. <laughs> Isn't that fun? I'm, I'm telling you, that is so, so you. <laughs> I know. I just get a kick out of that kind of stuff. So the other thing I did is it was my birthday two days ago. And really? I, happy birthday. Oh, well, thank you. I, I know I look hardly a day I, or two. I didn't, I didn't get a notice on Facebook that it was oh, your. I, yeah. I'm surprised. Well, I'll talk to my publicist about <laughs> that. But I did throw myself my own surprise birthday party. You did? I guess I did. I, well, what I did is I invited a couple of girlfriends over for lunch, and I just told them they were coming over for lunch, as far as they knew. And when they arrived at my door, one by one, you know, as people do, I opened the door and yelled, surprise! And then my guest, you know, was surprised. And then as each person came, because there were uh, five of us, each they would join me. And we would all together yell surprise. And so everybody was surprised for my birthday. So I thought that worked out nicely. <laughs> they were they were surprised because they were invited to a surprise birthday. Exactly. <laughs> and you know how it is when you have a surprise party. Most of the time you sort of figure it out or you know ahead of time. And then you have to start pretending like you're a surprise. Right. Did you do that? They were really surprised. Yeah, so uh, you were you were very surprised. I I knew about it ahead of time. I you did. Oh, how, I was kind of. you allow it. that to happen? But they weren't, and that's was the surprise. So it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> so what what else have you been up to? You've been traveling at all? Uh, I mean, even in spite of the COVID. You know, I haven't been traveling really in spite of the COVID, uh, but I did go someplace that I did want to mention because I think your listeners would be really interested. In December, my brother and sister-in-law and niece and I met in New Orleans. And uh, um, besides all the usual things that you have to do, we went to the World War II Museum. And it was absolutely one of the best museums I think I've ever seen. Um, you mentioned that to me, and 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 duh, I didn't even know there was one. How old is it? Most people don't. It opened twenty years ago. It actually opened nineteen years ago. Twenty years ago, uh, uh, it opened on June sixth, um, which of course is D Day. And when it was first open. It was called the D-Day Museum, but oh. over the years, as the exhibits expanded, they turned it into the our own personal national United States World War II Museum, and it was uh, very well received by a whole group of charter members, including Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks. That's not too shabby. Yeah, the um, uh, Tom Brokaw was a charter member, and Stephen Ambrose, who writes a lot of historical 
books about American history. So they were among the founders. And honestly, Stuart, it's such a fantastic presentation. And the reason why it's located in New Orleans is because Andrew Higgins is the man who, in New Orleans, built the Higgins boat. The Higgins boats are the landing craft that the soldiers used on the various beaches on D-Day. Okay. And he was contracted to build thousands of them, literally, and they were produced in New Orleans. And I believe he was a major funder in the museum. So there's a, a Higgins boat right there in the first lobby that you walk into. And it's it's really exciting seeing one in person and uh, trying to fathom how you know, young men and old men and soldiers who were incredibly brave landed on the beaches in France in these, you know, relatively small Benny and dude style right. eyes uh, troops. But then the, 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 I mean, the museum is so creative. The first thing you do is you can get dog tags. You're like given the dog tag of a particular soldier, a soldier that really did exist. They have several of them. And at various places in the museum, you can plug in your dog tag and find out what your soldier was doing, where he was, what he might have been, you know, what his assignment might have been, what his tasks were. So that brings it very much home. But you start the tour on a train. You're at a train station, a 1940s-style train station, and that's how you begin. You get on board, you sit down on the benches, the wooden benches, which is what they had for those kind of trains, and you are now a soldier heading off someplace in the United States for your training or to be shipped out overseas. So they have um, some video and digital backup introducing you to some of the things that you would have experienced. And then real life stories by some of the people who took those trains were on those transports and where they ended up. And then from there, how they got to the various war theaters. And then the basic thing that I thought was amazing is there's a, a video, no, that's not right. There's a, a um, four dimensional movie. Um, I don't think Spielberg actually filmed it, but Tom Hanks narrates it. And it's an amazing overview of our country, both overseas where the fighting was at home where a lot of the manufacturing was and how people were living at home supporting the war efforts from victory gardens to unfortunately, you know, gold stars in the window. But they've divided uh, the museum up into several terrific different areas. My favorite was uh, the gift shop because they had so much memorabilia and you can buy some knockoff uh, clothing and hats and medals and accoutrements that would have been around uh, during WW2. So that was great fun. And right next to it, there is a canteen. 
and they have uh, dinner and shows uh, like a USO might like, like, have. Yeah, for yeah, our soldiers. Yes, exactly. Yes, and they have uh, big band music from the 40s, not the 50s, but the 40s, and um, actually pretty good food. And then next to that is kind of a, um, I guess you'd say like a hamburger joint or a soda shop, or you can go in, sit down, and be reminded also of the era, and order kind of a pretty close to traditional meal with either burgers or, you know, fries, malts, shakes. And then, of course, they have more traditional sandwiches and food that probably would have been around during that era. So now you're all excited because you've seen this terrific film. You've had a, a wonderful meal. You've heard some great music. And you can go into the building that has the uh, European theater, which is known as the Road to Berlin, and then there's a Pacific theater, which is the Road to Tokyo. <laughs> and along the way, you follow the exhibits and the amount of uh, stuff that they have from the era, everything from weaponry, uniforms, the kind of uh, propaganda pamphlets, um, music is playing, you just get immersed. But what I thought was really clever is they had the terrain that you would have seen had you been in that battle area. Um, hedgerows were really important in Europe because they provided cover and you know, even warmth under the snow and everything else, they broke the wind a little bit. So as you're going through these exhibits, you're seeing things three-dimensionally all over the room you happen to be in. You're seeing snow on the ground. You're seeing um, the terrain. You might hear animals that might have been in that area. I, I mean, it's just... It's fantastic. It so, really so is. It's as much of an uh, uh, audio exhibit as it is a video exhibit. Yeah, it's, it's, it's got everything you could think of. Um, it, it's got everything from newspaper, you know, headlines and, and printouts. They've used so many different medium to let you, and especially kids, young kids that you know, are just maybe learning about World War II. It lets you experience as best you can. Um, there'll be a Jeep, a Jeep that may be bullet hole ridden, um, that's been left on the side of the road. And, and the road is dirt and there's rocks and you, you feel like you are right there on the battlefield. And it's... Um, it's very impressive. I have to believe that some of that influence uh, of, of the scenery is where Spielberg and Hanks may have come in with some of their influence in, in set design uh, and all. And, of course, Brokaw, didn't he write the book about the greatest generation? He did. And, uh, and, and his influence as far as the, the historical aspect. Now, were you able to follow, like, on a phone or uh, – or, uh, uh, as you went through to follow some of the commentary throughout the museum? Yeah, and what was really 
what made it also very heartwarming and very personal and very real is the fact that oftentimes it would either be your dog tagged soldier that you would hear uh, or it might be another one so you got a different perspective and then just a lot of real stories what it was like you saw their letters from when they wrote home uh you saw the letters they got that somehow found them on the battlefield i mean it was it, it was really as much of a recreation of the environment the situation the conditions as you can get you know yeah. in, in a museum 70 something years later I mean, I'm, I'm absolutely embarrassed to say that I didn't know this and that it's 20 years old, uh, but definitely going to be something that I'll put on my bucket list. Uh, but did you did you say that there were some, you know, middle aged and young young uh, people, children that were at the museum when you were there? They were there when I was there, but over the last, I think, 20 years, something like 780,000 students and teachers have taken specially designed tours. That's, that's terrific. They have a huge research center where you can do very sophisticated research or just for your own interest, you know, look at, at documents that were saved. They call them micro no macro artifacts okay. that they are constantly working on to preserve and return to their condition when they probably would have been used you know in the 40s um they have of course you have to have the aircraft so hanging from the ceiling in that particular pavilion they've got a lot of the planes that would have been used mostly by our people, our side, but some others as well. And then the uniforms and the the helmets and the, I mentioned the, the gunnery and the cannons and, and all of that. Uh, and they're still adding on. They're still building. There's a submarine that you can go into that would have been what the submarines of that era would have been like. So you can see how primitive, you know, how amazingly brave these people were to go down in something like that. The if, if, if there's any, if there's any downside to this, it's just that why well, I'm thinking back that this is 20 years old, but how many World War II veterans and people from that era never had the chance to see something like this, and we, there are so few World War II veterans that are still mobile enough and all to to make a trip like this but uh uh it it's certainly something for the for the generations to to experience to know what their fathers and grandfathers and all had had experienced back then too they in the in the uh, main lobby area they actually had a few veterans some men and some women who were like serving Dothan. and they're yeah. there with some of their scrapbooks and they want to talk to you and they sure. want you to ask them questions. And of course, like you said, they're, you know, those all soon be gone. So it's an amazing opportunity to meet and talk with these people. Well, definitely got to put that on my, on my list of, uh, of thing, things to do. And if I have any questions, I know who to call now. <laughs> well, you can call me or you can call the National World War II Museum right in downtown New Orleans. 
Or we, we could, you know, maybe just on a long weekend or something, we could just crank up your little smart car or something, and we'll just buzz over to uh, to New Orleans and and spend the day there. Yeah, that sounds great. Just you and I, and there's no luggage room, so <laughs> and there's a hotel that I think the hotel hasn't opened yet, but there will be a hotel and conference center in the museum. Now, a lot of people that are familiar with uh, with New Orleans know where, like the the, uh, the 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 Dome Stadium is, and where where uh, uh, you know uh, the Beale Street and all of that, uh, yes. the the French Quarter. Uh, where is this in relation to that? I have no clue. I have to oh. be totally honest. I can read you the address. It's called Magazine Street, and oh, okay. um, but it's it's Magazine Street, New Orleans. It I don't know where it is other than it's downtown, but by the water. Yeah, and um, and I say that because we took an Uber driver from our hotel to get us there, and I don't know New Orleans very well. So, but it does seem to me we did go by the the dome, the uh, sports dome. Well, yeah, if and if That's it's right. if it's near water, then then it can't be too far away from where the the French Quarter is because that was down near the harbor. Yeah. So. But, yeah, I I mean. It, it's not well known. It it does need to be more publicized, I think. But oh. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you about it on this show, because, of course, your audience, uh, I think, is the perfect audience to enjoy it. Well, you know, and, and the audience, the, the audience is both visual and, and uh, audio, uh, but they're from all over the country. So, you know, when people are hopefully when when this whole pandemic thing is over and people feel, you know, more comfortable with traveling either by air or by by car. And all, this sounds like, you know, everybody wants to to at least see New Orleans sometime in their life. But this is another great attraction to add to a trip to New Orleans in addition to the beignets and the uh, uh, the gumbo and all that other good stuff. Yeah, of course. Of course. Or you can go to the World War II Museum and you can have some rations. Probably They probably still have some that are left over from World War II. Well, they did, as a matter of fact. They had <laughs> rations and they had cans of uh, all that wonderful gourmet food that was served. When you stop and think about it, when you take a look at this stuff, when you see right there how impressive it is to have put together all of the elements that it takes to support thousands and thousands and thousands of troops that are spread out across the world and the you know the two theaters which were large in themselves right right i don't know how they were able to deliver mail to people but they did somehow. They found these soldiers on the front lines or wherever they happened to be. And I know that my mom talks about sending my dad salamis in the mail and he got them. So they were they were fresh when she mailed it and they were well, hard salamis by the time they got there. <laughs> maybe. There's an interesting story, by the way, which is kind of off topic, but not really. There's something called the Strong Beer Festival in March in Bavaria, in Munich, actually. And it's a interesting story about Munich and Bavaria, when they make beer, they don't use preservatives. I guess they always have produced it that way. And as far as I know, they still do. But this is like in the 1400s, the 15th century. And 
the Pope heard that the monks were drinking this beer during Lent, and uh, he didn't think that was appropriate. So what he did is he had his emissaries go to Munich, pick up a sample of the beer, and then travel with it all the way back to Rome to let him see what it was all about. Well, you can imagine, you know, that was a long trip back in those days. Right. By the time the beer got to the Pope, it was rancid and, oh, horrible. So he tasted it and he said, oh my gosh, if this is what the monks are drinking, I salute them That's for, right. uh, you know, their perseverance in the time of Lent. <laughs> and he let them keep drinking it. Isn't that fun? Oh, that's funny. Well, we we got a little bit of a late start on the show and all, but we're, we're we're starting to run out of time. But you know, it is so it is such a pleasure to share a little bit of time with you. Not not only via our emails and all back and forth, but to actually do it on video and share with the audience. It's amazing, isn't it? It it is. This this modern technology just brings us so much closer together. Siri yep. Siegel, my very, very special friend on something to talk about. I thank you very, very much for sharing the story of the World War II Museum and also a little bit of banter along the way, too. So you, you take care of yourself, and uh, we'll get, we'll get together personally one of these days. And I'll, and I'll tell you, I'll, maybe I'll buy you a beer. Uh, where will you buy it? <laughs> when will you buy a, it? A Bavarian <laughs> beer. <too. laughs> well, you take care and be well. Oh, and I'll and, and talk to you soon. Take care, folks. And thanks for, for sharing a little bit of something to talk about with Siri Siegel and myself. Go out and make it a good weekend. And join us right here again next week for another edition. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. <laughs>